Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. I am here again with you to go through, to further go through the book of Jonah. And again, this is part of our Bible meditation um, aspect of going through the Word of God, trying to just meditate and think about a single verse at a time. It takes a lot of discipline. <laughs> it's not as easy as you would think it is. Um, we're so used to um, running the cross-references and, and looking around and... and uh, and, and deep diving into the verse in the context of the broader topic and in the Bible, uh, it's very um, consuming <laughs> to just sit and say, I'm just going to look at this one verse and see what it says. And um, I think there's benefit to both. Of course, uh, you should run cross-references and you should study the, the passage in the broader context and all of that. But I think we should also look at the individual verse and uh, and allow just the individual verse to to kind of speak to us and uh, and and inform us as to what's going on. Um, our verse today is Jonah one verse seven, and they said everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Uh, very telling situation. That must have been a very uncomfortable moment <laughs> for Jonah. I, I, maybe not. I mean, Jonah's mentality through this entire process has been, you know, that of someone who really doesn't care. And, um, you know, a, 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 as this whole situation has taken place and these men are terrified and and they're trying to figure out what to do and, and who's to blame for this, that's a very interesting concept. These men want to know who, who wh which of us on this ship is the cause for this? Which of us brought this upon us? Um, it's a very interesting idea, a very interesting thought that that the you know when you when you look at it from that perspective and and the way that Gentiles tend to look at these things, uh, they know that there's a reason for these things, and um and, and it's often some transcendent power, whether it's Mother Nature or whether it's the gods or you know in, in any list of uh, pagan ideas, they know something bigger than them is causing this. And but it has to do with one of them. And they want to know who that who that person is. 
So it, the verse starts, and they said everyone to his fellow. They're, they're talking to each other. They're at their wits' end. Um, you know, the passage further implicates the character of these men. You know, they want to keep their lives, their ship, their goods, and they want to find a resolution to the problem. They don't want to hurt anybody. They don't want to, you know, cause any further damage. They just they want this storm to be calmed, and they want everybody to be okay. That's very interesting compared to Jonah, who just doesn't care. Uh, that's a sad place to be. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've lived all over the world. I, I've had the opportunity to deal with different groups of people in different ways. And, you know, some of them I have enjoyed, some of them I've not enjoyed so much um, for, for various reasons in different places. And I'm sure that if, if, if all the people I had interactions with were here, some of them would say, you know, they, they enjoyed my time around them. And some of them would say not so much. <laughs> so it's not a, it, it's, it's not elevating me above them in any way. It's just, um, that's just the way these things tend to work out. Sometimes it's good. And sometimes it's eh, <laughs> not so good. Um, it's, it's somewhat of a, of a subjective mentality or idea. Um, and, and so these men have more character than Jonah. Jonah just doesn't care. Of all the people that I've interacted with all over the world, I couldn't imagine coming to a place that as a Christian before, I, I don't think I would have cared. I, you know, I, I wasn't concerned about somebody, anybody's soul. I wasn't concerned about my own soul, much less the souls of other people. But coming to a place where I don't care, I don't care what God says. I don't care what these people want. I don't care what these people need spiritually. I mean, I, I'm not so concerned about their temporal needs, though, if I can help, praise the Lord. But that's not my purpose. Um, to not care about a group of people's spiritual needs, to me, that is just, it's just mind-boggling that Jonah has come to a place where he is, he is so indifferent, no concern whatsoever for anybody else. Not even really, it seems, for himself. That's, what, that's what's so amazing about this. Not only is he not concerned about the physical lives or the spiritual condition of the men on that ship, he doesn't seem to be concerned about his own. I mean, Jonah's, uh, you know, sometimes we go, when we go street preaching in the U.S., um, you know, what, what, what used to bother me the most are not the people who yell at us, cuss at us, um, respond negatively, because there's some emotion there, there's some interaction there, there, there's a response of some sort, which means that that person is, is being prodded by the gospel or by the name of Jesus Christ or by the word of God. In some way, there's, there, there's, a, there's a response from that person, which means that they are actively engaged. It may be a negative response, but you don't know what God's doing in their heart. That that's that's the key to going out and and presenting the Lord Jesus Christ publicly. The goal is to present Jesus Christ. It's not necessarily to get a response, but it's encouraging when there is one, even if it's negative, because it means that they saw it, they heard it, they responded, right? And and so it may it may not be a positive response. I get that. And then of course we're highly encouraged by the positive responses, and we know that that positive response is the result of oftentimes of, of God dealing with that person over a long period of time. 
um, numerous people witnessing to that person. And, and so if I get to be the one to lead them to the Lord, most often, more often than not, that is the culmination of, of a series of people over years of, of interacting with that person and telling them about Jesus Christ. Um, it may be that I just happen to be the, the, the person that, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, <laughs> the person that made them say, okay, let, let's, let's deal with this. Right. And, and, and it's not, you know, that, that doesn't make anything, that doesn't make me anything special in that relationship or in that interaction. What that makes me is just, just one more person sowing the seed, one more person watering, one more person plowing. And, and then the culmination is that we're praying and hoping that God will give the increase. And, and finally something strikes that person's heart and brings them to the Lord Jesus Christ. The people that bother me, that concern me are the people that give no response whatsoever. And that's probably the overwhelming majority of people. When you go out on the street and you preach the gospel publicly or present the Lord Jesus Christ publicly in whatever format you, you, you tend to do so, it's those people who walk right by and there's just no response whatsoever. Stone-faced, cold, hard, no negative response, no positive response, just indifferent, neutral. I don't care. Um, I have no concern for the future of my soul whatsoever. That's scary. That's a scary place to be. And uh, I, I'm afraid that, you know, I, I, it would be speculation. You know, it'd be conjecture on my part to say what comes next for those people. Because again, you don't know. You don't know what God's doing in that person's heart when they see the name of Jesus Christ, when they hear the gospel. Um, you, you don't know. We, we have no way of knowing what it's doing to them or for them. Um, but man, it, it, there's just something about getting some sort of feedback to let you know that person, their conscience is alive. It's working. It might've angered them or it might've made them smile. They might be happy about what you're doing, or they may really hate it. And, 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 and they're really troubled by it. Um, but there's some, they're alive, you know, they're, they're kicking, um, that person like Jonah who just, just throw you gotta throw me overboard. I, I don't care. Man, that's what a dangerous place to be. Now, what, what's interesting about this situation is that they have come to believe that the cause and therefore the resolution rest in one of the individuals present. Man, think about that. Every time we had a, a terrible storm, if you start looking around wondering, uh, so <laughs> which of you or me has caused this? Uh, now, I, you know, of course, this is a special, unique situation. I don't think every time there's a storm, you shouldn't be looking for someone to throw overboard. Uh, but it's just interesting the way that their minds were working. I mean, they have done everything they can up to this point to try and save themselves. And now they're looking for an individual. I mean, that that is, it's, it's an interesting picture of the gospel and the way it works. I, we've tried to save ourselves. We've tried collectively you know, through, through a religion, we've tried individually through, you know, what people often say again in the West in America, they say, I have my own religion. What does that even mean? I mean, that's a, that's a really dumb thing to say. <laughs> I have my own religion. Um, well, where, where does your religion take you? 
I mean, what, what's the end result of your religion? Since you made it, then you should be able to, you know, expound upon it and explain to me what the end result will will eventually be of your religion, your own personal religion. Um, I like to ask those people, so how will your religion help me? And there, there's typically no answer to, to a question like that or a question of that sort. Um, but it's just interesting. They've tried everything they can do, everything in their power. Now they're looking at each other. Okay, who, who caused this? Well, then what's the next step? How do we get out of this? Who's going to get us out of this? And so it's, it's just interesting. Now, in, in the gospel context, that leads you to Jesus Christ. Once you realize you can't save yourself, you've done everything you can do to save yourself. You've tried religion after religion. You've tried self-help. You've, you've thrown everything overboard. And you don't know what to do from here. Well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to narrow down your options and take you down to a person, to an individual. And that person is Jesus Christ. This type of thinking is common in the Gentiles around the world. They understand the world produces natural consequences. Um, and, and for certain measures of disobedience, there, there are, they, they have in their mind, there are, you think about, again, we're not supposed to draw from cross-references, but we're going to, we'll toy with it a little bit here. Just forgive me for breaking my own rules. But um, you think about when Paul was, was bitten by that serpent, uh, on, on the Isle of Miletus, um, the, those people immediately thought he's a murderer. And in their minds, this attack is the result. It's, it's a direct result of something Paul has done wrong. And so the, their minds immediately go to, he, he must be a murderer. He must have killed somebody. He must have hurt somebody in that way. And it's just really interesting how how the way that Gentiles think about these things and, and really interesting to consider the way the Bible characterizes them. Um, now they've reached a point in which they believe someone present is responsible for this current distress. Somebody here did this. Somebody here has caused this. And I wonder how many of them were thinking, maybe it's the guy sleeping on the bottom of the boat. <laughs> I wonder how many of them that, that was their mindset. It's, it's the guy who's just lounging around on the boat while we're trying to save our own lives. Um, now that is someone in their midst has done something to cause nature, God, the gods, whatever to rage against them. And then, and they want to know who it is. And so they go about trying to figure it out. And the way they do this come, let us cast lots. Now this is how they chose the person who was going to take the place of Judas Iscariot. It's how the apostles and the, and the church or the, the people involved at the time, this is how they made that decision. They cast lots. They didn't vote. Uh, they had two men that they thought uh, fit all the requirements. And there are requirements in, in, order, in order to be an apostle. You have to meet the requirements and they are requirements. It says you must have been at, you know, around for the Lord's resurrection and you must have been baptized from, by, by John the Baptist. That, that, that time period, it was a requirement. Um, now here, these guys are going to cast lots in the hope that it will tell them, it will point out to them who's at fault, who is responsible for this, who, who's the cause for this, who do we blame for this? Uh, and, and then from there, how do we fix it? And once we know who, who's to call, who's to blame, how do we fix it? What do we do? And so at, at this point, every man save Jonah has called upon his own God and they have received 
no response. All right. So all the, all these men, they're, they're one of their first solutions was you go to your God. I'll go to my God. You go to your God. Maybe one of us can get our gods to respond and, and, and help us here. And they got no response. They got nothing. Uh, all there's left to do is cast lots. They've thrown everything overboard. They, they have, they're laboring, they're working. They're trying to get that ship moving out of the midst of this storm and get on the outer edges of the storm and, and, and anything they can do to try and get out of this, this present trouble. And all they can do is cast lots and the, and, and, and the lot fell on Jonah. Very interesting. It was clear to them that someone among them was to blame for this tempest. And now they desired to know who it might be. Who, who did this? Now, this is, this is clear evidence in the word of God that your actions, what you do, the way you live, choices you make, they have, they have broader consequences bigger than yourself. People like to, they like to convince themselves that they live in some sort of bubble that has no, no consequences. And, and that's not the case. You, you don't live alone. You don't, you don't live under yourself. You, you live in a world full of people and the choices you make, the things you do, the way that you live, it's, it has implications for everyone that, you know, everyone involved, people who are not involved. These men had nothing to do with Jonah's decision. They just happened to be on the ship that Jonah chose to, 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 uh, to use to get him out of, out of the will of God. And so uh, it was clear to them that, that someone was responsible, which means that they, they understood that, that of all the men present there, someone there has made a decision. Someone there has done something that has caused, that, that, that brought them into this situation. So that means that of all those men there, none of them could say, you know, I do what I want. I live, to my, I live by myself. My, my decisions have nothing to do with you. That's not true. Your decisions in life have, have huge consequences for your family, for your church, for your, your friends, for your coworkers, for the, the name of Jesus Christ in your community and in the world. There, there are lots of, there are many consequences to, to, to what you're doing. And you need to try and move forward and proceed in life with that in mind. And failure to do so is, is it's irresponsible. And it's going to cause problems you didn't expect. And it's going to cause problems for others that you didn't expect. Casting lots is a common means of making decisions or even discerning situations in the Bible. Jonah's in Jonah's case, they are trying to discern who's to blame for this tempest. Um, it, it wasn't un, it's not unusual in the word of God for people to cast lots. Now, I, I don't know what that means for us today. I'm not, I don't know that you should try and make decisions by way of casting lots. Um, now I, I think sometimes it, it might be better than, than some of our, um, human reasoning and some of our, uh, you know, you know, if you, if you get locked in a situation and you don't know what to do, you don't know which way to go, cast lots and see what God will show you. <laughs> Just tell the Lord, I, you know, I, I want to go here. I, I believe you want me to go here. I believe you want me to go there. I don't know which one it is. What do I do? Cast lots and see, see which one. <laughs> and um, the Lord will reveal it to you. I mean, it's, it's a biblical way of doing things. I, I, 
there's no admonition against it, though there's also no admonition necessarily for it. Uh, but a lot of good people in the Bible, including the start of the New Testament church, uh, they, they, they did cast lots in order to help make decisions and discern the will of God. Now, these men are not trying to discern the will of God. They're trying to figure out who's causing their trouble. And that lot fell on Jonah. Jonah is, is the reason. Right? Now, their purpose, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So this is their ultimate aim. They understand this tempest to be an evil that has come upon them. And again, they understand that someone present has caused this evil. Who is it? Right? And so they're casting lots. They're doing what they can. Uh, you know, they've tried their best to save themselves. Um, every, every attempt to save themselves has been a failure. They, they cried out to their gods. They cast their cargo overboard. Now they just want to know who is responsible. And then let's go from there. Who do we blame this on? Who did this? Who's the cause for this? And then after we figure that out, now we can go and we can figure out what to do from here. How do we handle this? What do we do to him? <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's, it's so interesting to me that Jonah forces them into this situation where they have to cast him overboard. He literally tells them, you're going to have to cast me overboard. They didn't have to cast him overboard. He could have jumped. He could have left the ship. He could have repented. He could have said, you know what? I, the reason this is happening is because I have disobeyed God. God clearly gave me instructions to go somewhere and preach to certain people. And I said, no. God said, arise, go into Nineveh, preach to these people. I arose and I got on your ship and I'm going somewhere else. And, and he's responsible. He's the culprit. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. I have to say, I mean, when I try and put myself in the shoes of these people involved, it has to be a sobering moment. Now, again, I, I don't know what you do. You cast lots, okay? I, honestly, I, and the lot falls on an individual present. What does that actually mean? <laughs> I mean, does that actually mean something? Like the lot that we just cast fell on you. So that means that our casting lots has revealed supernaturally that you are responsible for this storm. I don't know that I could go with that. If I was on the ship and I, and I was like, we, we're going to cast lots. And okay, what if the lot actually does fall on someone? What does that mean? I mean, does that, are we supposed to trust this <laughs> as though it's a valid way of, discerning right from wrong or, or good and bad or who is responsible. Um, I just, I feel like I would struggle with that a little bit, uh, but it's what they did and it, and it, and it garnered the results they were looking for apparently. And so the lot fell on Jonah, which was right. I mean, according to the word of God, it was right. And here we have this man who is running from God. He has caused the tempest to come upon them. He's sleeping in the ship. And now it seems that he is the cause of all the trouble. Not only is he doing everything wrong, he's not helping. He's not, I mean, it's just, he's just, he's doing everything wrong that he can. And then the lot falls on him. And now they know you're responsible. You caused this. Um, I just, I believe that's probably the moment that 
my heart probably would have shrunk and my stomach would have dropped down in my gut and I would have said, I'm sorry, let me go jump off the side. Or again, let me just repent and try to get right with God. And I, I would rather be right with God than not. Uh, and, and I would rather, man, I, would, I believe I would feel horrendous if I had caused a group of people this level of trouble because of my, my decision to go against the word of God. That's what I believe. I hope that's true. And Lord willing, if the, a situation of this sort ever arises, I hope I do not respond the way Jonah did. And instead that I have as much fervor as these lost men who don't know God to spare other people's lives and, and to try and get back on track and do right. Um, now I'm not sure how much weight these men would place on casting lots, but, but the lot did fall on the right man. Um, that's Again, that's interesting. Uh, is that a biblical principle we should follow? <laughs> I got to think about that a little bit more. I, I, I don't know. Um, and now they, they all know who is responsible, and they, they, and they w- still respond with more character than Jonah does. It's amazing to me. Now, knowing who is to blame does provide some level of, of closure, though it does not fix the situation. In fact, because, in fact, because it does not fix the situation, sometimes, it almost, sometimes it's almost better not to know who is to blame. Because now that you know, what are you going to do? What can you do? Apparently, according to Jonah, the only solution is for him to go overboard. Well, now you got now you got to be responsible for potentially killing the man in order to stop the storm. Are you is that a situation you want to put yourself in or get into? Or or sometimes knowing doesn't make it better. <laughs> it may be that you learn who is to blame, and then they are emboldened to make matters worse. And it looks like Jonah was was heading down that path. It's a difficult Christian reality, knowing the source of trouble may put us in a a position to forgive and still deal with the consequences of the present distress. These men did not know, they did not know God, but they had enough character to desire that they themselves, as well as Jonah, be saved from death and to get out of this trouble, out of this, this storm. It's not until Jonah forces their hand that they finally cast him into the sea All of this together builds a strange moral case against the man who should have been serving God and for the pagan idolaters who worship false gods. What a situation to be in. God forbid, help me to never be in that that type of situation or or to live in such a way to, to cause such trouble. We are in a terrible way when the lost members of this world display more character than the people who profess to belong to God. God forbid, let that not be us. Let us not live that way. Let us not do these things. Let's trust the word of God. Let's do our best to obey the Lord. And when he chastises us, let's respond to it. Better yet, let's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he doesn't have to chastise us. Um, But it it, it is without a doubt in my mind and in my heart that we're going to need some chastisement from time to time. But instead of forcing the Lord to, to bring, on, bring about some extreme form of chastisement, let's be ready and willing to repent and learn from it and grow from it and move in the right direction as quickly as possible. And I think if we, if we, if we proceed in the Christian life with, with, a, with a tender heart, 
towards that in that direction and, and, and you know concerning that idea, then we'll be ready to respond when the Lord comes knocking on our door. Do not be like Jonah. And if you ever see me acting like Jonah, remind me not to ever act like Jonah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot to learn from Jonah, both in the negative and the positive. And uh, he certainly had some character issues that that would be good for us to search our own lives and make sure that we don't possess those same qualities. And uh, let's let's do all we can to obey the Lord. All right, that's all for this session. Thank you for listening, and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.